Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is David Nagel, author of The Millions Within. And if you want to learn how to grow your professional relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. I'm your host, Travis Chapel. Today, I'm chatting with a friend of mine, David Nagel. David is the best-selling author of The Millions Within and is known as one of the architects of the coaching and personal growth industry itself, having worked alongside other well-known mentors like Bob Proctor, Marianne Morrissey, Tony Robbins, and the like for decades. Guys, I can't wait to get in this conversation with David. Um, there's so many amazing things that we're going to be talking about. But first, really quickly, if you are a six- or seven-figure entrepreneur, and uh, you know how much a podcast can benefit your business, but you just don't have the time or the resources or the team to figure out how to do it, then let me know and let my team create one for you at our Done For You Services um, podcast creation at World Class Media. Head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And uh, there's just a quick application there. We can jump on a phone call sometime to see if we can build a profitable podcast for you. Awesome. David, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. Uh, seriously, I've uh, been, been looking forward to sitting down with you. And I know that we were originally going to do this in person, but due to all of the craziness going on right now, we're, 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 on, we're on a Zoom call. But I guess that's the cool thing about podcasts, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Travis, for having me. I've been really excited about doing it. 
and it, and it was really cool if you'd be able to do it by Zoom. Uh, we kind of got forced into this situation, but yeah, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Of course. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the conversation here. Build a little bit of context for those listening and start back at the beginning for you. So let's go all the way back. Uh, you know, let's go to say junior high, high school, you know, 12, 13 year old David, what were you up to at that point? Yeah. So uh, 13, it's interesting you picked that time frame because at 13, that's when everything really started getting really, really weird in my life because my parents got divorced. Hmm. And I was born and raised in Chicago um, in 76, so I'd have been 10. We moved to Phoenix. Uh, my dad got kind of relocated out there. And then around 1978 and a half, my parents decided to get divorced and my mom wanted to move back to Chicago because that was the town that she was born and raised in. So we moved back there. My dad kind of stayed in Phoenix. He was a truck driver at the time. And um, my mom really kind of took a deep dive into depression, went off the deep end a little bit, was basically gone for about three years. Like she was at the house, but it was me, my brother and her Mm. in a very small two bedroom apartment in the city. And she really just disappeared on us. And, and I was kind of left in charge of everything. I was just starting high school. It was kind of a culture shock for me because for two and a half years, I'd been kind of living out in the desert. We were like yeah. in the north end of Phoenix and it was just, you know, riding your motorbike and, and, and it was no, nothing inner city. So I was then transformed into this inner city environment. It was very different. The culture was different. And I had to learn to adapt to that without any leadership, like, Dad's, you know, 3,000 miles away and, uh, and mom is, is just not around. So, the, you know, the, the interesting thing was, was that coming out of the, or being born into the late 60s, early 70s and being exposed to the craziness that was going on then, you know, like with the Kennedy assassination, Martin Luther King, Vietnam, my, my father was in Vietnam. Um, it, all the, all the real wild diversity that was going on. And we had a major catastrophe when I was four years old in the family, which was my mom's brother and my two cousins died in a house fire. Wow. Nobody in our family was emotionally mature enough or prepared for anything like that. And no I think that was kind of like this, this dive that started to slowly go down and then when my parents got divorced, it, it just it just crashed. It yeah. crashed and burned and it got worse. So from from that point forward, I'm kind of raising myself, I'm sure. going through high school, roughest time for a kid, in a kind of an out-of-body experience, at least for the first year. I managed to do some things right. I, I, I first of all, I hated school. I didn't do didn't do well in school. Quit when I was 17, dropped out. But I was working. Like I worked for McDonald's for four years. I had some pretty good friendships. I had a girlfriend that kept me out of any serious trouble. I was still kind of headed in the wrong direction, but it kept me out of some serious trouble. Decided to join the army, was in there for about a year, um, saw some really nasty stuff in Europe and, and I was like, this isn't for me, so I'm, I'm coming home. So I managed to get a training discharge, come home. And I immediately did the very wise thing. I got married and had two children. <laughs> so <laughs> I have no education, I have no skill yeah. set. Uh, and. Uh, and here I go get married and, and have two kids. And I, I quickly find out that I cannot live up to that responsibility. Hmm. And it just progressively, my life, my life just starts falling apart, like one domino at a time. Yeah. Um, we file bankruptcy. We leave our apartment in the middle of the night. Um, I can't keep a job very long because my attitude is terrible. We end up living next door to a drug dealer. 
were on uh, we're on on assistance. So we were on basically we were on welfare. Um, Is this all still in Chicago, by the way? Well, what we did was we moved 57 miles southwest to Chicago because I couldn't afford to live in Chicago. We were we were in a suburb of Chicago, my wife and I and the two kids, and I was in this situation where we couldn't pay the rent anymore. Hmm. My hours got cut at work, couldn't pay the rent. Asked the apartment building complex if they would, you know, if they would let me out of the lease. They said no. So we had to take our last bit of money. Right, this is right after we filed bankruptcy and had our car, our car repossessed. Hmm. Wow. We had to leave in the middle of the night. So we that's it, that happens. And then from there, I had this is where it started to turn around for me because I I was I was asking for help. I was asking people that I knew, how do mm-hmm. I turn this around? Like I know where I screwed up. I know that I shouldn't have quit high school. I should have went on, did some college, I should have got a skill and some education under me. And the only thing people could say to me, Travis, was you shouldn't have quit high school. And I'm like, yeah, you know, can I yeah, swear? Like, like, yeah. yeah, no shit. Yeah, go right? for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no shit. So now what do I do? But they couldn't tell me what to do except work hard, take all the overtime I could and pray. That was about it. Six months after or a few months after my son was born, I was in a water skiing accident where I got separated from the boat and I was sucked through a dam. And wow. I was only one of two people at that time to ever live. It was a uh, it was a, a regular full-size dam, not a spillway, full-size dam in, on the Illinois River in Marseille, Illinois. I broke my back, but I was not damaged really bad. So I healed rather quickly, and I go back to work. And one night in February, uh, after being, I was literally called in the office twice in one day for being reprimanded for poor, poor work. I had a screaming match with my boss. Hmm. I was convinced that I was, I was very angry taking it out on him it had nothing to do with him. It was me. It was, I completely deserved to be reprimanded. And I went in the trailer and just sobbed. I just cried my eyes out because I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. And I was asking God, I'm like, please show me something, anything on how to turn this situation around. And a, literally a voice in my head said, change your attitude. So that's where it really started to change because I changed three perspectives in my own mind that got me to start seeing things differently hmm. and immediate, immediately a change came. So I changed, I, act, I started acting like I love what I did because everything that I was doing, I hated. And I used to walk around like, I hate this. I hate this. This sucks. Yeah, Life sucks. Right. Everything sucks. You suck. You know, I was taking it out on other people and I was not giving my best. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to act like I love what I do. I'm going to do everything to the best of my ability. And I'm going to treat everybody with total respect. Yeah. That came from, looking at the owner of the company and saying, what is different between this man and myself? Mm-hmm. He's here, I'm here. I want to get where he is. What's the difference that I can see besides the education? And I saw that, you know, these are three obvious things that I'm living in my life as a reality that he must have not had that same reality to get where he was. So I decided that's what I was going to change. In one month, my income went from 20000 to 62000 Wow. And a year. And it was, it was, this was in the early nineties. It was such a significant change for me that I, it really caused me to just pause and say, what the hell just happened? Hmm. Everybody was telling me, yeah, it, it was, it was shocking because I literally, how, 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 old, how old are you now at this point in the story? Uh, I would have been, let's see, I would have been 24, 20, uh, maybe a little bit older. Okay. 25, 26. Yeah. Mid twenties. Yeah. Mid twenties. Been married for a few years. Yep. 
young kids yeah. under three, under four, probably? Uh, yeah. So my daughter was born in 86. My son was born in 89 and this happened in 93 and I was married yeah. in 88. So this episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah. So it seems like there was just like, you know, life just got you down from the time that you were 13. And it just from there was just like this subsequent you know, moving from failure to failure and just kind of like hoping to make things happen. And, and then you take res uh, epic responsibility really at such a young age to, you know, be running your household, to be working, um, to then take, you know, to, to make the decision to drop out of high school, to then go to the art, like you're doing so many things and you had to grow up so fast. Right. So, so fast, yeah. at, at what, like at age 24, age 25, this is when you really start to decide to turn it around. Um, when, when this is something I find super fascinating, David, maybe you can talk into this because there, there's so many people that I think live so much of their lives in that really horrible negative space that you're just talking about where you just right. hate everything, you hate everyone and you take it out on everything and everything always sucks and whatever, but they don't figure it out in their mid twenties. You know what I mean? Like they're 43 or 52 and they're still living like that. Why, why do you think that you... Why do you think that you were able to change where you were coming from and, and immediately adopt a new perspective? I think it was the near-death experience because the one thing that I pulled away from it was um, how lucky I was to be alive, you know, at that age. So that, the, that happened in September of 1989. And I remember, like everybody was telling me, like, oh, like so when I was in the emergency room, I had... Uh, the state police there, I had the Army Corps of Engineers, the guy who runs that for the dam because they opened and controlled the dam and the locks. 
and I had the conservation department there and they were all telling me I should, shouldn't be there. I should be dead. They're like, we never pull live bodies out of here. And they proceeded to tell me a story about how the year before there were two fishermen, they had a little motorboat, the, their motor went out. Uh, they got caught up in the current. They got sucked through the dam. Boat got sucked through the dam. They both got stuck inside the dam. So they send three firefighters down with scuba gear to try to get the bodies out. All five of them died. They're like, so all we do now is open the gates and we let the bodies flush out. And there had, the guy that lived before me was a paraplegic. So I considered myself really lucky. I was believing what they were telling me. They're like, God's watching out for you. There must be a higher purpose to your life. You know, all the kind of stuff that you hear when you survive something like that. And I, part of me believed it at the yeah. time. I was like, well, maybe it's true. Maybe this was the wake up call for me. And now something really wonderful is going to come in my life. But I did realize at that point that I was immortal. You know, when you're, yeah, when you're right. in your early twenties, you think you can, you know, you're going to live forever. I realized how fragile life is and how fast it can be gone. So that, and the other thing, the other thing was this, I had this weird experience when I was in the army, I saw a family shot and killed trying to cross the wall in East Berlin. Hmm. And I had never seen anything like that before. It was very unexpected. I didn't think it was real. It was not part of my reality. It wasn't really something we heard about in the United States. And here I am at this situation where I'm at this guard post in East Berlin. And they're like, look, we see this all the time and we can't help anybody unless they get over the wall. Hmm. So they're, they're like, Did be prepared for this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're just trying right. to scare me. I'm the new guy, you know, uh, you're just trying to scare me. And I think it was the third day I was there, a family with a couple of kids tried to come across and they just, these German police just shot them in the street. Wow. So I, that was, a, that was very shocking for me. And yeah. I, it took me a long time to get that out of my head. And then I went, had this accident and, I'm, and it really kind of reinforced that life is very fragile. You don't know from day to day. I don't care how old you are, how fit you are. You could be gone in a moment, but given the right, given the right circumstances, you know, and that kind of like reinforces what's actually happening today with the world, with this, with the, you know, the Corona 19 virus, right. You know, it's uh, it reinforces how unstable things actually are. And it, it's kind of versus, the illusion of safety that everybody is raised with. So that's one of the things that I talk about a lot, that we make ourselves safe by the choices that we make, uh, not any situation or circumstance. Mm -hmm. So, but a lot of people run around thinking to themselves that they're safe, their money's safe, their job's safe, their business is safe. And it's a, it's a, it's a cause and effect as to how safe you are. Right. And the crazy thing about the whole story to me is that nothing about your situation changed except for your own mindset. That's it. And that was powerful enough to change everything in an instant. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Exactly. And that's, that's, so everybody was telling me I was lucky when, when I got this, um, uh, my income increased and I knew that there was something else, but I didn't know what it was. And so I, that caused me to study. And in those days it was going to the library to study or, you know, going to a bookstore and looking for book. I didn't even know where to look. I didn't know that there was a, a self-improvement section or anything like that. So I'm just going to the library and I'm picking up whatever I can. I think I started off with biographies of successful people and putting things together. I got introduced to Tony Robbins in 1993 through his personal power tapes. I got those. I heard him mention books in there. 
So I got the books that he talked about. I started, I turned my car into a library because I had to drive a hundred miles to work one way. Wow. So I got rid of all my rock and roll cassettes and I filled them. I started listening to every book that I could get my hands on that was on cassette tape. And mm -hmm. I used that time very productively for a period of seven years. And that's what, the, and then, and then I met my mentor who was Bob Proctor and he really put a lot of pieces together for me as to how my attitude could be so significant in an outcome. And then I started helping other people with it. So, and that's what, then I started my business in 2000 and that's what got me here. Okay. So this one has been a long time coming and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, world-class media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years. And over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests. So in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done for you podcasting solution, as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. Got it. So you stayed at that same job for seven or eight years. Seven years. I stayed. Okay. I, I started in '93. I left just before 2000. I started off as a truck driver uh, delivering petroleum, uh, gas, and diesel on-site delivery. And when I left, I was in charge of sp expanding the the company across the country. So amazing, man. Like just, just that one mindset shift. It's just I've had this conversation recently with a few people where it's just like, man, whatever you're doing, be the best at it. Whatever, whatever thing that you're called to do in life right now, you know, it, regardless of if you enjoy it or if it fires you up or you hate it, whatever it is, like all you have to, like, you got to change your mindset and just be the best at that thing that you can be. And yeah. uh, it's always going to lead to more opportunity like it did for you, uh, enabled you to, you know, be able to make good money and then eventually to be able to pursue the business that you have now, which you did in 2000, right? So talk to me about, about that journey. How did that go for you the first couple of years that you were decided to jump into that, into that so, personal well, development world? Good, great question. And actually it went surprisingly well. I bootstrapped the business. I didn't know a thing about what I was doing. I bought uh, the rights to facilitate Bob Proctor's seminars okay. uh, at the end of 99. So I think it was October of 99. I was trained over a three-day weekend to teach one seminar and then you would progressively get trained to teach the other ones. And I started my, I did my first uh, seminar with 25 people in December. So literally while I was being trained, I was up in my hotel room at night making calls to sell tickets to my very first seminar. Got I had it. 25 people in that. And then it was 
I just did a deep dive. I worked seven days a week for seven years in that, in the front end of my company. And it was learning everything that I could about my industry, learning everything I could about how to be a good speaker, how to uh, speak from stage, how to sell from stage, how to market, you know, um, how to network, how to, you know, build amazing relationships. And it was, you know, just, I took one day at a time. I set very stringent goals for myself. Some I met, some I didn't meet. I figured out what I was doing right, what I was doing wrong, and just kept moving forward, forward, forward. I would absolutely not quit. And here's one of the reasons why I wouldn't. Because I went through some really rough times. Right after I started, 9-11 happened. Hmm. So that was, that was very interesting uh, yeah. to, to get through that. And then I had an embezzlement uh, in my fourth year. Somebody uh, stole $5 million from the company. <sighs> And, and my list, and they had my list that I had built for four years because it was a contractual screw up on my part by not having, allowing my attorney to read the contract. And I didn't realize that it said that if for any reason this becomes insolvent, they own the list. I didn't realize we were joining lists and they would end up owning it. I thought we were just cross marketing in the, in the list. And that was the end of it. Like if it, if it ever ended, we could walk away with our own list, but there was language in there that I didn't understand. I probably didn't want to see that either, you know, and I take responsibility for the fact that I didn't pay the 1500 bucks or whatever it was to have my attorney read the contract. Mm, yeah. Lessons learned, huh? Very much so. <laughs> the hard way. <laughs> yeah. But it was one of the greatest lessons that I ever learned. I mean, yeah, sure. I, I rebuilt the business back to where it was in 12 months hmm. and it's only grown from that. I learned a lot of lessons in that year, a lot of hard lessons, but a lot of really good, solid less, you know, get out of your magical thinking about a lot of stuff sure. and really understand what you're doing. So let's talk about, uh, you mentioned relationship building and networking. So uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on that a little bit further, since this is build your network. Talk to me about the importance of mentorship in your life and how big of a role that played. Working with my mentor, Proctor, was the single most important relationship in my life. Hmm. Without him, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have learned he literally taught me how to think like that's what he did. Yeah. He didn't teach me how to build a business. He taught me how to sell a little bit. He taught me how to a little bit about the industry. Yeah. He taught me how to teach, but really the biggest skill was he taught me how to think accurately, how to think yeah. successfully, which is one of the best skills that you can, that you can acquire. Yeah. Because you are your greatest resource. Sure. When yeah. something goes wrong and you know, right. how do you think through a problem? Right. So in, in times like this really magnify that skill set too, you know, times where, where everybody's just in disarray and things are just so unknown. And if you're always so worried about, well, tell me what to think, tell me what to do, right? right. Like if you're always so focused on that, that you never learn the how to think, then sometimes it can get really lonely. And, uh, and you, and you're, and you're not, you don't have the confidence to carry you through times of turmoil, like what's happening right now. Yeah, exactly. And the, the biggest thing, one of the most interesting things about what we're going through right now is that the entire uh, playing field has changed. The game is totally, this is not somebody that has a mindset problem or they can't sell or they don't know how to market. All the channels of distribution have been removed unless you are uh, an essential distributor, you know? Yeah, right. So it, in times like this, it, it, it'll collapse from the bottom up because there's, they can't earn money because they have to stay in their house. So either they adapt or they die. And, you know, right. unless the government bails them out, which I really hope, you know, that they're able to, they're able to help people, but it, you know, it, it'll just keep going up and up and up un, until it affects, you know, everybody in that way. And, and yeah. if it lasts too long, you know, then, I mean, I, 
there were two people that I talked to uh, yesterday and the day before. Their entire their uh, retirement was completely wiped out overnight with the stock market crash. Wow, wow, well, that's gone, insane. just gone. Yeah, that if you if you were in that situation, you ever learned the how to think part, then um, you could probably be be in pretty deep water there. Yeah, well, it causes panic and hysteria, and you know poor behavior, you know, yeah. bl blaming, you know, there's no sense of self-responsibility because they've given away their agency to everybody else that has power. The mm. cause so, is a major issue. So if, if mentorship for you has been just that integral into your success, why, why do you think that there's still so many people that don't buy into it or don't see the value there um, that just, you know, write it off as, as something that they don't need to do? Well, I think, I think there's several reasons. I don't think there's just one, but I think that one of the core values that especially our country has is uh, this do-it-yourself hard work mentality. Now, I'm not against hard work, but the, the, there's, a, there's an ethic. There's a value about doing it yourself, not asking mm -hmm. for help. Yeah. Um, it's really big uh, for males in our country, more than, more than females. Females are much more open to asking for help than men are. I think men are coming around huge. I mean, today, like when I started in this business, it was almost no males. Like males were not looking for any kind of mentorship in any big way. Now it's, it's much different. So in 20 years, it's changed, it's changed quite a bit. But I think that's like the number one problem. So yeah. when they think of a problem, they think about how can I do it? And if I can't do it, there's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm less than of a person. Sure. Uh, Self-worth issues show up. Um, so there's that. And I think the other thing is that we have a lot of people that all of a sudden flooded the mentorship and coaching industry yeah. that really don't know what they're doing. That's you very know? true. Yeah. So people hear horror stories, you know, about spending tons of money and the, pe the person didn't uh, have any valuable information, really. So I think that's also a problem. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, cool, man. Um, it's been a really awesome conversation. I got to ask you this question before we, before we uh, go here. This is yeah. kind of the staple one. I ask everybody that comes on the show. Who you know or what you know, David, which of those two is more important? And yes, what you, you have to what pick you one. Know. Okay. All right, what you cool. know. Cool. And why is that? Cause that'll lead you to who, you know, got it. Got it. Now from the perspective of perspective of, um, you have to be open to knowing what you know and knowing that you need to know, know more of what you know and where to get that. So, mm. you know, it's, it's also a chicken and egg thing, right? Because sure, with, sure. with me, there was, you know, but the, here's the, here's the truth. It started off with what I knew first. That's what caused me to search out a mentor okay. was then who I knew. So that's where it started for me. Yeah, cool, cool. And that makes a lot of sense, yeah. And then it just kind of keeps building on itself. You know, the what you know increases the who you know, which increases the what you know, which increases the who you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Well, cool, man. Hey, look, I, I thank you so much for coming on. Uh, one of these days when, when, uh, when everything gets cleared up, we'll have to have a, that in-person conversation. Uh, Absolutely. So, um, and then we can chat for a little bit longer. But David, thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. Seriously, I had a blast chatting with you. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle 
Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls. There's accountability crews and more all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.